0: Good morning again. I uh, think you may have noticed we're getting a bit crowded. What a great, what a great challenge. Uh, I'm going to ask you to be praying that uh, God continues to fill this place up. Uh, we're running out of space. We knew that th- we were going to run out of space. We believe that, number one, we weren't going to be a church that runs 75 people. Uh, we thought we were gonna, God was going to do much more than that. And uh, so from the beginning, we have had a vision to have multiple services, and it looks like by the end of the month that we'll be there. Uh, so you be praying about that, uh, that God would give us wisdom as we make all those changes and we get all the details worked out for that. But uh, we, we want, we're not here to, to make this about numbers, and I don't want you to ever hear that. But we do know that numbers represent people. And so every person that's sitting in a seat in here every week is going to hear the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're excited to have more and more and more people to come and be a part of what God is doing here. So I'm going to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, That can't be left up to your pastor and staff. Uh, That has to be something that we all do. And so over on the counter, there are cards that look uh, like this. Uh, It says, No Perfect People Allowed, or it says Connection Church. And just on the back of them, it just has our service time. In in fact, I just thought about that. In a few weeks, if we change times, some of those won't be any good. Uh, So you need to give them all away. Uh, Give them to all your friends, and and uh, invite the people that you know don't go to church anywhere. Listen, we're not out to get people who go to church. So if they're going to church, leave them alone. Okay? There are plenty of people in your world who don't know Jesus and aren't going to church anywhere, and so that's who we want to invite. So you make that a part of your week that you invite people to come and be a part of Connection Church and just be praying that uh, there won't ever be enough room for people uh, in uh, in Connection Church, that God keeps filling it up and does amazing things. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. That is in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seats in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, we want you to take that one home with you. That's our gift to you today. We're excited to uh, be able to give away God's Word. And so I've made a commitment a long time ago that uh, there should be nobody without a Bible. So if you don't have one, we want you to take that one home. For the past several weeks, we have been in in uh, in Hebrews. Uh, not excuse me, not in Hebrews, but in Joshua, and uh, we've been looking at this idea of God, the God that is able to make the sun stand still. And we looked in Joshua chapter ten, and we'll be uh, alluding back to that some this morning because the story in Joshua chapter ten is kind of the jumping off place where we uh, have been and will be for the next several weeks because we believe that God is a God of miracles and that He can do whatever He desires to do. And, and we, we've said that over and over again. And You might be saying, Pastor, I'm tired of hearing you say that, but I want you to know until the day I die, I believe that we should be saying that God is the God of miracles and He can do whatever He wishes. Because unfortunately, somewhere along the way, we got a damaged view of faith. We begin to think that God is the God that we can understand or God is the God that we can comprehend. Or God is the God that we can control. Or God is the God that we can make into a little bitty figurine and set on the mantle of our heart or in our home. And that's the God of this world. And I want you to know that God can never be contained and we will never fully understand him because he is infinite, he is amazing, he is incredible. And whatever he wants to do, he will do. Because he is God. He doesn't need our permission. He doesn't need our desire. He doesn't need us to ask. Because God is God. There's only one, there is no other. And we believe that. And so when I say that phrase, I just don't want you to let it pass over. I just don't want you to, to, to float over you and then go away. I want you to know that God is the God of miracles. And if today you came needing a miracle, God is the God of miracles. And he wants to do that in your life. And he is doing that in our midst. And so this, this idea of faith that we have gotten, unfortunately, and, 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 and I have grown up in, in a church world in my life, and I know that for far too long, we have taught about a faith that is um, watered down and weak and without power and is what we feel like that we can understand. And somewhere along the way, that, that faith train derailed and, and we got off course. And, and, it's, and, and, and we began to almost take this universalist mindset in the world that whatever you believed in was okay. And I want you to know that the Bible has never changed its stance on that. That God is the only God. And it does, it, it, the, the world says, hey, if you, as long as you believe in something, that's okay. And I want you to know that that's not okay. And it was never intended to be that way. And God never lost his power. And God never stepped back from what he said was true. So God is the God of miracles. And he does whatever he wishes. And today He's real and He's here. We, we've talked about over the past several weeks that that, that that journey of faith, this audacious faith that we're not only talking about on Sundays but studying in our small groups. And I, I really do encourage you to be a part of that because we believe that, that in those small groups that that's where you're going to not only meet new people but that's where the real growth happens, not just for a few minutes on Sunday morning. But that journey of audacious faith of, uh, begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about two weeks ago, that, uh, and we, we took the memory verse with us of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now, I live in the flesh uh, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We said that for us to be able to pray those prayers of faith, that we needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, not something that grandma gave us, not something that mom and dad instilled in us, but something that is yours, that you can own, that God lives in you because you gave your heart to him. In fact, today we're going to see some people who have made that step and are willing to step into these waters of baptism this morning, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the service, but they're saying to you and to the world, hey, I am not ashamed. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, They began with that first step. And then last week, we we looked at, we we, we ended up in Joshua chapter 10, but for those of you who were here, we we went to Joshua chapter 1 because we got our memory verse. Does anybody remember what the memory verse from last week that was three words long, four words long? Does anybody remember? What is it? Oh, praise the Lord. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Uh, Let's say it together. Be strong and courageous. That was our, that was our where we said, you know, if it's going to begin with Christ, then the next thing we have to do is be strong and courageous. We have to be a people who said, I'm not afraid. I do believe that God is the God of miracles, and I'm not going to just stand back, but we begin to live that. And so this idea and this mindset of of um, audacious faith takes the next step, but it began there. And we, and we looked at the story of Joshua, how God did such an incredible thing. In fact, in Joshua chapter one, he said over and over again, be, be weak and, and without coffee. I, I, I didn't hear that. He, he said, be what? Thank you. God bless you. And, and, and we saw God not only do say that, but then he backed it up, didn't he? I mean, he, he parted the waters, he, he, uh, they, they walked up to a city and God said, this city's yours, all you have to do is walk around it and scream and the walls will fall down, and, and it did. And, and so by the time that Joshua got to the battle in Joshua chapter 10, where he, he saw things maybe not going the way they needed to, and he said, you know what, my God is the God of miracles and he can do whatever he wishes. And so he said, God, it, it, just stop the sun because we need a little bit extra time today, <laughs> And so and, and that sounds crazy to us that God would do something like that. But he believed. He began with believing in God and, and then he said, "You know what? It's it's bigger than that and I'm going to be strong and courageous and I'm not afraid to pray those auda- audacious prayers. I, I'm not afraid to ask God for amazing things and God stopped the sun." Because he loves us and he loved them. So this idea of audacious faith is being willing to ask God, for the incredible, the impossible, the unimaginable, the amazing, and believing that God has the power to make it happen. And I want you to know that we, this needs to be the foundation of who you are as a believer in Christ, that we no longer pray hoping and wishing that God might show up, <laughs> but we believe that God is real and that he is amazing and that when we pray, there is power in our prayers. Now, that's the introduction. Let's get to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the definition of faith. If you want to know about faith and what what the Bible says about faith, Hebrews 11 is at the center of that. Hebrews 11 verse 1 is a definition of faith, and I want to read that to you. It says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it essentially says that their their faith, faith is defined in this that there are things that we hope for, but God is going to come in and make that real. What what does that really mean, pastor? It means that for you in this room, you are not the only one asking questions about the reality of God. For those of you who who uh who are are here today because maybe you're just wondering, is God real? Maybe you're wondering, is heaven real? Maybe you're wondering that this, this gospel that is preached and taught in this place about forgiveness and grace, is that really real? Will God really let me start with a sl- clean slate? Will God really abide in my heart? Will God really answer my prayers? Here's what I want you to know. Faith is the, is the journey to know that that is real. And that's how it's defined in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says it's the assurance of things hoped for. Now, hope is a thing of, of wishing, that, that we hope that it is true, that we wish that it would be true. The idea of God in most people's mind is that they wish that God would be real, because that's the way we're created. And so when they realize, when they come to the point of recognizing that's more than a wish, that's more than a hope, but it is reality, that's faith. And faith is that journey of me being on that road to find out whether that is real. And then the second part of that verse, uh, some versions say the conviction, uh, others say the evidence of things not seen. Being more than knowing it in your heart because God has done it in my life. It's really hard for me to explain, fully explain Jesus to you because Jesus is to be experienced. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to explain the full scope of salvation to you because salvation must be experienced. I can give you a taste of it, but until you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, until you have been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, 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 it's impossible for me to fully explain what that means. But faith is that journey saying that it is the evidence of the things that I cannot see. I wish I could today have another stool on the stage and for Jesus to be sitting beside me. And for you to touch him, for for you to know he is physically real if that's what you need, I, I wish that I could do that. But I want you to know that although there is not a stool here, that Jesus is in this place. Although we cannot physically see Jesus, the Bible says that we're two or three are gathered in his name that he is in our midst and I want you to know as real as your neighbor is, touch your neighbor on the arm. Just touch him. Just just to make sure I want you to know as real as your neighbor is, Jesus is real. And he is here. The Holy Spirit is in this place. God is moving in people's lives. It is it is evident not only because I have said it but because God is doing it. God is real. He is here. So it's, it's more than, it's more, it's, it, the, the second half of that verse says that it's the evidence of things not seen. It's real because you and I have seen it. For many of you in this room, you've been believers, some of you, longer than I've been alive. And for you, that evidence is real. You know it because you have seen God at work in your life. You know it because you have the unwavering peace of God in your heart. It's real because you have experienced grace. I want you to know that the greatest experience in my life was not meeting my beautiful wife and marrying her, although I love her and she is she is dear to me. It's not the birth of my children that I watched, and thank God that I was not a woman, and but watched that incredible gift of life happen. It's, it's not that. I want you to know it's not having a great family who loves me. It's not being able to be blessed uh, in my life to have a, a house to live in and food to eat and a job. It's, it's not any of that. I want you to know the greatest thing in my life was when I experienced grace at the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that the greatest thing that ever happened to me was that when God said, Hey, you're not enough, but that's okay, I'm enough. When He forgave me of all the junk in my life, that was the greatest moment in my life. And it will never be surpassed. You know why? Because it's real, it's not fake. Some people say that if you believe in Jesus, then you're weak in the mind. And I want you to know I'm weak in the mind, but that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, okay? I want you to know that as strong as a belief that I have in this world, it is that God has saved me and that he has forgiven me. And if there's anything real, if there's anything real, it's Jesus. That's what faith is. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, it's the assurance of things that, that are, are unknown that, that, I cannot, that I'd hoped for and the evidence of things that I cannot see. That's faith. Now, what I wish is that there was a faith pill, okay? I wish I could say, hey, take this pill once a day, and it will make you believe in God more. But faith is a journey. Faith is a, is a walk. Faith is walking through some dark and tough valleys and understanding that God is still God. Faith is the incredible change in my life that God has done and knowing that it is real. Now, if, if you look in chapter 11, and I'm not going to read this because of time and I, I want to respect your time and we have some things that we need to do today. But if you look at the rest of chapter 11, and, and if I give you homework, will you go home and read it? Uh, the, the rest of this chapter is just a testimony of faith. And the writer of Hebrews goes through, and, and the rest of this chapter is, is saying, listen, by faith, Abel did this, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and on and on. He, he goes through, and he, he makes a list of people who, honestly, listen, they were normal people. But they did something abnormal in their world and they believed in a God that they could not see, but they had evidence in their heart that he was real. And they followed him and they did amazing. I mean, think about Noah. God showed up to Noah one day in his heart and said, I want you to build a boat because I'm going to flood the world. What? You know, I mean, where, where does that come from? I mean, and, and you're the only family that's going, and every animal on the earth is going to show up, and you're going to build this huge, humongous boat in, the, in your backyard, and every redneck is going to come back and may, make fun of you, and they're, they're going to ridicule you, you and, and your family's going to be saved, and we're going to start over. And by faith, Noah said, okay, Why? Because he believed in the God of miracles, and God could do anything he wanted to, and if he lived on the earth and God wanted to start over, hey, God's God. The the story's like this, and so it goes through, and and over and over and over again, it's a testimony of faith. But then we get to chapter 12, and I want you to turn the page to chapter 12, verse 1. Because although I'm not going to take the time to tell those stories, I want you to know that they're true and that they're real, but in chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore... Because of chapter 11, that's what therefore means, because of all these stories, because of all these people, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the the founder or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, listen, we have a history. We have a track record. God has a track record of faith. We can trust him, not only because you should trust him, but because all of these people have trusted him. And God has continually done an incredible thing. So if you in your mind can for just a moment think, that if today we were standing in a stadium and around us were all these people, there's, there's Abel, there's uh, Enoch, there's Noah, there's Abraham, there's Jacob, there's Isaac, there's, there's Moses. All these people are saying, you know what, I have been on that journey. The, the way that you are walking and they're cheering from the stands saying, God is enough. God is able. God is the God that will answer your prayers. All he is waiting is for you to ask. And if you will believe in him, then God will do an incredible thing. They have walked the journey of faith that you have walked. They have tested the waters of God. And here's what I want you to know. This Bible is filled with testimonies of people who tested the waters and God came through time after time after time again and again. God never let them down. What you you will not find in God's word is a place where God breaks his promise. God is real. And so Hebrews Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, hey, listen, you're surrounded by all these people. You're surrounded by all these stories. And you should walk that walk of faith. This morning, I want to give you three things of how you and I can live a life of audacious faith. Number one, is is found in chapter 12, in verse 1. It says, uh, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which, so, which clings so closely. We need to lay aside our problems. For some of you this morning, you need to lay aside unbelief. For some of you, can we just be honest? It's just us here, okay? For some of you, you've been hurt by church. Can we be honest? For some of you, you've been hurt by religion. So here's listen very carefully to me. I'm not asking you to follow a church. I'm not asking you to follow religion. I'm asking you to follow Jesus. I'm not asking you to follow denomination. I'm not asking you to follow a theology. I'm saying pick up God's word and follow the the writer of God's word. That's Jesus. Follow Jesus. Why? For some of you, unbelief has just clouded your mind. For some of you, you cannot see clearly because of your unbelief. Here's what I want you to do. Today, I want you to consider laying aside your unbelief and for just a moment to believe that God is real and that he is able and that he can do whatever he wants to do. For some of you, you need to lay aside your doubts. Some of you doubt God, but some of you doubt yourself. Why would God love me? Why would God give me a second chance? Why would God even care about Doug and Spearfish, South Dakota? Why? Listen, lay your doubts aside. God loves the whole world not just some people. He loves you. So some of you need to lay aside those doubts, those unbeliefs. For some of you, you need to lay aside your past failures. And can we say as a church that maybe we need to lay aside some of our past failures? The system is broken in your heart and in mine. The system is broken, I believe, in churches of today because we've, we've taken that cheapened faith and tried to live on it. I want you to know that faith is not cheap. Faith should never be taken lightly. So today, I, I, I'm, I'm asking you to lay aside those failures, those, those doubts, those unbelief, and, and let's just try it God's way. Because honestly, I mean, can we be honest this morning about at least this, that our way doesn't work? I mean, is it just me, or do you find yourself in the middle of your life going, man, I sure made a mess of that? God, I really would love for you to rescue me from this because all I did was wreck it. All I'm really good at is wrecking it. All I'm really good at is is falling into temptation and sin. All I'm really good at is is saying the wrong things. And God, today, I just got to try it your way because my way does not work. So I fall on my face and I, I lay down and I lay down all of these things this morning. The second thing it says in that verse As it says, to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Running with endurance. I heard one man say that the journey of faith is mostly showing up and believing that God is able. Did you hear that? That the journey of faith is mostly just showing up, okay? It's just saying, hey, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best to follow God and believe that He is able to do what I ask Him to do. It's just showing up. It's just every day, you know what, God? Uh, yesterday, I, I'm not sure what went on. I, I, I don't know if I did something wrong or I wasn't listening, but today I'm just showing up and I'm believing that You're able. I'm just believing that, that this faith journey is worth it. Because can I be honest? Faith journey is hard because the, the places where you're really going to build your faith in God are in the valleys. The places that you're really going to build your trust in God is when you're at your lowest. It's not on the mountaintop. It's easy to trust God when everything's going great, isn't it? Hey, in fact, that's, that's actually the most dangerous place because if things are going awesome, then we really feel like we don't need God. We become our own God. But it's in those valleys. when We're crying out and we're asking God, where are you? That God shows up. And so, yeah, we need to lay aside some of our unbelief and doubts, but then we need to run the race with endurance. Listen, I'm not a runner. I know you're surprised by that, by my wonderful physical attributes. Um, In fact, if you see me running, you need to follow because something is about to explode behind me. So just just a note in life, okay? But listen to this. If you don't show up for the race, you can't win. If you're standing on the sidelines, you will never win the race. For some of us, we're standing around on the side going, you know what? The race is good. You know, following God is good. Going to church on Sunday, that's good. Being a good person, that's good. But listen, it's more than just saying, hey, it's good. It's getting in the race and running it. The only way you're going to win, the only way you're going to achieve what God wants you to achieve in your life is to get on the track and put your shoes on and begin to run. The only way that you're going to achieve what God wants you to do is to put put down one foot in front of the other and begin to run around the track and he says not only run but run with endurance. What's endurance? Endurance means showing up every day. Endurance is when you hit the wall and you want to quit that you depend on God's strength rather than yours. The scripture says that when we are weak then God is what? Strong. Listen, we've got to press on. We've got to push when we are giving up, and believe that God is going to give us the endurance to finish the race. The last thing I want you to see this morning, out of this passage, I almost, um, almost passed over this because I, I, I looked at verses two and three, and and, and I, excuse me, in, in, in verse two and three, and and and, and I, I said, well. It's about Jesus, and it's just a testimony of Jesus. Look at it with me. It says, it says that not only do we run the race with endurance that is set before us, but we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And in my heart, I just said, amen. You know, that's right. Jesus did that. But look at verse 3. It said, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted can i can i just speak to you very clearly jesus did what he did not because he was guilty but because i was guilty jesus did what he did for you Jesus left heaven, came to earth, took on an earthly body, was, was, lived a life at the end of his life, was beaten, was nailed to a cross, and died because of me. He did that because he loved me. He paid the price because he loved me. He paid the price because of my sin. Now, here's, here's what I want you to consider, why you should consider Jesus. Because does anybody get discouraged in their walk of faith and say, you know what, this is just too hard? You know, it's just too hard to do the right thing all the time. I just want to let my hair down and and kind of live my own life. I just kind of want to do what I want to do. I I want to build my theology of God around what I want, because this is just too hard. Consider Jesus. Let me read that with that in light. It says, look to Jesus who's the author or founder or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame and is seated at the, hand, uh, the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Listen, consider Jesus because when you measure your life up against Jesus, you realize that I really don't have anything to gripe about when you measure your life up against what Jesus did, then then my decisions seem a little bit smaller. God came to save the whole world, and and I'm stressed out about something that really has no eternal significance. Can you think about something this week that you got upset about, that you got frustrated about? Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes when I get on the phone with uh, customer service, I just want to reach through the phone and pull them back out so that I can look at them in, in the face and let them say that to me in person. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, okay? It's not that I want to tell them about Jesus. I just kind of maybe want to send them to Jesus, okay? And that's not uh, something I would tell you to do. But, but we, we, we kind of get all stressed out about something that has no eternal significance. We get stressed out about things that when we, when we lay it all out and we look at it, we go, you know what, that's not even worth getting upset about. What what the writer of Hebrews said is this. He said, lay aside all the sin in your life and all the things that are hindering you. Begin to run the race of life, of faith, with endurance and consider that Jesus did this for you and he has actually made your way easier. Because all you have to do is accept him. All you have to do is accept his forgiveness and his grace and his love. When you think about that, you go back to Hebrews chapter 11 verse one, it says, "Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen." Pastor, how do I pray audacious prayers? How, how, how do I live my life with a faith that is audacious? Here's what I want you to hear. It begins, and it ends with Jesus. It begins and it ends with Jesus. Your faith will grow when you begin your walk with jesus your faith will get stronger as you continue your walk with jesus and your faith one day will take you to heaven because of jesus as you grow in your walk with him it it, as we begin to ask those hard questions and i want you to know it's okay for you to ask god hard questions because he's big enough to handle it can i really trust you god Are you really going to do the best thing for me, God? When when you say no, is no really the best for me? Can I really trust you? Are you really enough? Are you really able to do those amazing things, those incredible things in my life? It's okay to ask those questions. You know why? Because when you ask those questions, then God is going to answer it. And when he answers it, it's going to be in an amazing and incredible way. But it, it not only begins and ends with Jesus, but it also means that we have to be strong and courageous. I would love to see our church be a church that models being strong and courageous. Unfortunately, and I, I, I don't want to, God, God's done amazing things through churches in my life, There are men and women of faith who poured into me, but unfortunately, I have lived most of my life in churches that had weak faith. I don't want to anymore. I don't want to live there anymore. I don't want to live in a church that teaches a weak theology about maybe God will show up and maybe he won't. How about we begin to live like God is here already and he has already shown up and he is going to do uh, amazing things and he's going to continue to do incredible, amazing things in our life. How about if we live there? Because if if I'm going to die, I would much rather die in a strong faith than in a a weak faith. I would much rather testify of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the uh, the miracles that he's done in my life and in our church and in people's lives. I would much rather live at that place than to say, yeah, you know, God might show up and he might not. God is here. (laughs) And I think almost he's embarrassed when we have weak faith. Lastly, we must lay aside the things in our life and begin to run the race. And consider what Jesus did for us. Folks, here's what I'm challenging you to do is to show up. You remember what I said? The biggest part of the journey of faith is just showing up and believing that God is able. For some of you tomorrow you just gotta say, you know what, I don't see it all yet. I'm not sure that I'm there yet, but I'm just believing and I'm going to run the race and I'm going to begin to walk with Jesus, and I'm going to put the shoes on, and I'm going to step on the track, and instead of just standing on the side and watching everybody else, I'm going to step in, and I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to begin to believe that God is able. For some of you, you've never even stepped onto the track. For some of you, you don't know who Jesus is because you've never experienced him. As I said earlier, it's really hard for me to explain everything about Jesus, but here's what I want you to hear. Jesus loves the whole world. He he came to die on a cross for the whole world. He came to pay the sin price for the whole world. And that's you. And if you came in here today and you've never met my Jesus, let me tell you something. As I explained in my own personal life that there's no greater thing in your life, there will be no greater experience than you giving your heart and your life to Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to do that right now. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you right now that if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that right where you are, just silently in your seat, that you pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making a way in my life for me to know you. I confess to you all of my sins. ask you to come into my heart And be my Lord and Savior. God, I'm going to need your help to walk this road. So I pray that you would change me. That you would cleanse me. And that you would set me on the right path. Thank you for grace. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, and you gave your heart to Jesus, and you meant it, and it wasn't just religious words that you said, Jesus came into your heart and he forgave you of all your sins, everything that you've ever done wrong. He gave you the promise of heaven, but even more than that, he he said, I'm going to walk with you on this walk of faith. If you did that today, we we would love to walk with you in that journey. We would like to help you. So on your card that you'll have the opportunity to drop in the offering plate in just a moment, it says, I'd like more information about becoming a Christian would check that and we'll get in touch with you and we'll walk with you in that journey. I'm going to pray and then we're going to take our offering this morning and then before we leave we get to have some people come and tell the world that Jesus is their Savior. So let's pray. Heavenly Father you're so amazing. We don't understand why you would love us. We don't understand why you would take the time to love sinners like us your grace is not only amazing, but it's incredible and it's available to all who come to the cross of Christ. God, I pray for those today who may have given their heart to Jesus. I pray that you give them the courage just to check that card or to tell somebody before they leave today that they want to follow Jesus. God, I thank you for a church that believes in the gospel. I thank you for a church that believes in teaching God's Word and not trying to, to dumb it down or to water it down, but, God, that instead that we want you to fill us with your Word. and that God, that we might live a life of faith, that we might follow you and trust you. Lay aside our doubts and our unbelief, and today step onto the track, some of us, for the first time. Just show up and say, God, we don't know where the journey ends day. But God, we're going to run it for you. So Lord, I pray that you give us what we need to put our shoes on, step on the track, and follow you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for creating this place of Connection Church. We ask that you would bless the rest of this service. In Jesus' name I pray.